Philippians 4. And it's interesting that um, my son, and if some of you don't know, he's the senior pastor of this house. You should put your hands together to that. Him and his wife are powerful people. God's doing a new thing in them. God's doing a, he's wrecking us. I'm just telling you. Some, some of you are not wrecked yet, but you're going to be. I want to be wrecked in God. You know, and I just told a couple, I said, you know, some people think, man, you're crazy. I'm going to be crazy for God. I'm going to believe two fish and five loaves that I can feed five. Come on, somebody. That I can feed 5,000 people. What? I don't know that story. <laughs> you know, when they had thousands and thousands of people and the disciples said, we need to go back to a city. We need to go get food for them. And he said, what do you have? And the little boy said, all I have is two fish and five loaves. That's not even in my sermon, but something's going on. And so he leans it up and blesses it. What you have, he wants to lean up and bless it. And so it can multiply. But see, if you don't lean it up and bless it and ask God to do it, then it's not going to then it won't multiply. Everything I have is his. My cars, my house, my money, everything I have is his. I said. Some of you have been holding your money. Some of you have been holding your stuff. Everything I have is his. Somebody knocked on my door a couple of days ago and said, Mama, I thought, I don't know that voice. I leaned over around the kitchen, and there's a big bag of tomatoes and all these things, and said, I need to come in with my first fruits to you. I haven't even ate any of this, and I need to. I said, something's going on. God's, you're in trouble. He said, what do you mean I'm in trouble? I said, God's getting ready to do something because the principles of God is when you sow, you shall reap. See, some of you hold your money and you don't reap in a heart. Come on, I'm not even, this is not my sermon, but it's my sermon. And I want to tell you, Brandon, that before I got up here, Jen, that somebody walked up and gave me a handful of money for all them mirrors. Somebody should clap their hands for that. Took care of every bit of it. You, what you sow, you shall reap. See, because something's going on in that. You know, you can sow financially, but you can also sow in love. You can sow with a text. You can sow with a phone call. You can sow with a hug. You're a good hugger, Becky. But I know that the Spirit of God, that's not even in what I'm doing, but that's what in what He's doing. Because when you, when you sow, and even when you don't feel good, you sow. And you press in anyway, Brandon. And you press in anyway. You're going to reap a harvest. And sometimes you don't know when that harvest is going to come. And sometimes you've got to wait. The hardest thing to do is wait. It's on the way. The hardest thing to do sometimes is wait. Man, I don't have that job yet. And man, I don't. Shh. Worship in your weight. 
No, worship in your weight. I'm going to go back to Philippians 4. But I've been stuck somewhere. And it was about six weeks ago, God gave me some of this before Brandon even preached it. And when I was sitting back in the back and he said Philippians 4, I thought I was going to fall off that chair. Because I've been stuck there for six weeks before this ever happened of what he's been speaking on and Jen's been speaking on. God's doing something. When I hadn't been talking, come on somebody, when I hadn't been talking to him, God's been talking to me and he's been talking to him at the same time. But if you haven't had a communication with somebody, but you've been communicating with God, he'll fall it in place. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read this in the message. What, how powerful. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. <laughs> Let petitions and praises, listen to this. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let your petitions, you got petitions before God? You got a praise before God? It will shape your worries. Oh. Letting God know your concerns. See, sometimes you don't, you're not letting know, God know your concerns. You're just babbling. Well, I can't stand this. I can't, I mean, this is always happening. What am I going to do with it? Is that giving a concern to God? Are you giving a praise and a petition before God? It says it'll shape your worries. Into prayers. So your concerns and everything can be shaped in worship and it turns into prayer. I'll tell you. So good. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. <laughs> Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for everything to come together for good. It'll come and it'll settle you down. Has some of you need to be settled down? Hello. It'll come and it'll settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. He will displace it. Instead of worrying, go to God in prayer. This means to develop a... Listen to this. Go to God in prayer. This means to develop a state of mind in which we are turning everything in our lives over to God. Trusting and helping him helping us moment by some of you need moment by moment some of you are good for about a month and something something's good and you know happiness in the world is different than the happiness and the joy of the lord because see happiness just happens but when something happens and you stay in the joy then you're steady you you won't move from it amen so you know it, when something happens, you shouldn't be shook up. You should stay in the church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> because, see, he can shape your worries into prayers. See, some of you haven't been praying in certain things because you have not allowed him to shape your worries into prayers. How powerful is that? Oh, uh, just prayer. No, 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 no. You get to go before the God of all gods. You get to go before the king of kings. Oh, now I'm just praying. I'm tired. I'm over this. 
You mean he can shape your worries into prayers and then you get to go before God? See, I think sometimes we've, we put God on such a shelf. I'm not talking about him sitting on the throne. I'm talking about we put him on a shelf. God, I mean, you see this, God. I think we need to respect and I think we need to honor. Amen. And I'm not saying that nothing can be, you know, simplistic of what God's saying and how he's doing that. But I think that sometimes we miss the thing that he sits on the throne. He's holy. And I think sometimes we've taken that for granted. I think sometimes parents take children for granted. Children take parents for granted. Come on, somebody. And then when you start disrespecting, you know, you disrespect God sometimes. Everything in our lives can help us learn and grow spiritually. Even things seem insignificant to us do have significance over our purpose. See, sometimes things look insignificant, but it, be, it can be significant and it can be a purpose. Even though you go through things, it can be changed for a purpose. God uses, I'm telling you. He'll use things. And he'll change things for the good. And it might not look like it right then, but man, he, I'm telling you, he leans over and goes, mm-hmm, watch what I'm getting ready to do. I'll change that for my good. God pays attention to everything we do. He loves detail. Do you know he, paid, he knows every hair on your head? He pays attention to everything that we do. We must let our petitions and our praises shape us. Shape the worries into prayer. See, I think sometimes we, we miss what prayer really is. I think sometimes, see, because you can pray for specific things, and then you pray, you know, for certain people, and then you go into intercession. You go in and you pray on the behalf of somebody else. And then there's times that you pray and say, God, I need your help. I need you to say, and you know what? I think sometimes when we pray and we don't praise, it don't get to shape it. Come on, somebody. And I think sometimes if we praise and we don't petition, it doesn't shape what we need. We need both. We need prayer and we need worship because it will shape things into what God wants, that petition before God. It'll turn them worries into prayer. He loves detail. He's all about all the details of our lives. Prayer is powerful. Sometimes I think we, we go along in life and I think sometimes we... we we say things that we shouldn't say. I'm not talking about cussing. Well, anyway, maybe I am. But I think sometimes we say things that we shouldn't say. You know what I mean? And we get upset about stuff that we, is so this. And then all of a sudden we're all, all the way on another road and we haven't even been before God. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all will be added unto you. Seek him first. What? What? 
And I think sometimes we get so ordinary and go on our way and get up and do our coffee or get up and do whatever we do and we have to hurry up and get to work and we have to hurry up and get home and try to lay down and we try to, and we miss the conversations with God. Prayer is just not a one-way conversation. Where we list off our laundry and our requests and hope for the best. Well, God, this is what da-da-da. And God, I need this done. And God, I hope this is going to be a good day. And God, and you never even listen. If it's a one-way conversation in your marriage, it's probably not going to work out. If it's a one-way conversation with your teenager and he's not talking back, come on, somebody. I'll tell you what, conversation is a big deal. When you communicate, it's a big deal. When you came to me this morning, Becky, and said, hey, I'm not going to be here. I just want you to know, da, da, and made yourself accountable, it's a big deal. God likes accountability. He likes conversation. Do you know how much he would like to talk to you? But we don't have time to sit and listen. We don't get quiet like we need to. Come on. The world is turned up running. I mean, that thing is cranked up. And you know, you have to go, you have to go into the world if you have to, whether you're going to the gas station or you're going to the grocery store or you're going to work, whatever. You have to go in and it's going a hundred miles an hour. I mean, the wind is blowing out there. But I can say the wind is blowing in here. I think the breath of God and what he wants to do, but see, he wants to communicate. He wants conversation. It's not a one-way conversation in prayer. How many of us done that? Come on, I can put my hand up. Okay, God, and I need this and this, and this is what's going on, and, and, this, and that person needs that, and da-da-da, and I walk away. And I, I haven't even heard what he wanted to say back. One-way conversation is not good, whether in your marriage, whether in your family, whether in here. I love to communicate. I didn't get to hug you, but I will. And Maggie, I'm glad you're back. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is personal stuff. This right here, family, this is family stuff. To reach out. Maybe, maybe you've never met certain people. Maybe you need to move to communicate with, you know what I'm saying? It's really important. It's really acting, seeking God and his guidance and his wisdom. This right here will give you wisdom. This word of God will give you wisdom. You know, we can talk and communicate, but, you know, sometimes he wants to communicate back through his word. Or maybe somebody gives you a phone call, and you, all of a sudden there's an answer to something that, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting on that. See, we have to be sensitive to where he wants to say to us. And sometimes he can just personally talk to us. But sometimes he'll use somebody else to speak to you. Amen? Prayer gives you the opportunity to leave your burdens with God. Prayer helps you to learn and rely and trust in God. Prayer reveals the glory and the authority of God when answers come. He has all authority. We have to give him all that. See, sometimes we don't trust. That's why we worry. Because sometimes we don't trust God into everything that he wants to do. We just give a one-sided thing 
But there's a communication of love between God and you. He's the lover of my soul. He's first before pop, before my, any of my children or my grandchildren. Did I have to lay some of them down? I did. Did I pick it up sometimes? Tack on it, Lou, I did. And I go and lay it back down again because I, I have to trust God that he's going to take care of everything. But see, when we pick things up, we worry. Whether it's money, whether it's a job, whether it's your children. Come on, somebody. It's okay to have concern. But when it steps into worry, you're in trouble. God promises if we turn to him in difficult times, he will give us peace beyond our understanding. And the peace will be a guard and a protection of our hearts and our minds. Rest and quietness at the rest. The word is peace. When we have rest and quietness, the root word of that is peace. See, if you don't have peace in the situations that are going on, obviously you probably don't have no rest and you don't have quietness. That's hard for everybody. That's hard to rest your mind. Come on, somebody. Rest your thoughts. Rest your body. I fought that with everything within me all week. God kept saying, in quietness and rest is your peace. And I'm wrestling. And he said it again, in quietness and rest is your peace. See, sometimes you can say, okay, I'm going to lay down my mind, I'm going to rest. But can you really get quiet? And can you really rest your body? Honest. Isn't it funny how you can work and all of a sudden you go lay down and all your muscles are going crazy in, in bed because, you, and not saying that you don't work hard, I get it. But I think there's a time to rest your mind, to rest your body. And it's the peace of God. It takes you from that worry. Instead of repeating things in your mind with worry, repeat the word of God. See, we repeat over and over and over. Oh my goodness, and what am I going to do? And what's that? I mean, how's that going to happen? And da da da, you know. I mean, I had to, I had an MRI on my brain. Hello. A few days ago. And right before I get ready to come out of that MRI, I move my toe. Shink. I hear the thing stop. He comes in and he goes, did you move yourself? Here, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn rest and quietness. I said, I just moved my toe. He said, we got to start all over. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Because, you, you know, I have a brace on my face. I got to, and I'm going into the, you know what I'm saying? And they're saying, well, we have to see if you have a tumor in your brain. We have to see if you have, come on, somebody. I mean, come on, somebody. And I said, so you want me to rest and you want me to be quiet, God, and you want me to have peace in the midst of the most craziest trying to say facts. But the truth is, 
that I walk in health and prosperity. Come on, somebody. And God's been all week teaching me about rest and quietness. And there's times that I would tell Pop, I said, I'm just, I'm just going to go rest for a little bit. Not, not that because physically something's going on. No, he was trying to teach me to get quiet so I can hear what he's trying to say. Because the world is not quiet. It is going 100 miles an hour. And you have to learn quietness and peace. Amen? So instead of repeating things in your mind, I had to do that. Instead of repeating things in my mind that would bring worry over and over and over and repeat it, I repeated the word of God. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm about to shout right there. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I'm going to repeat his word. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So I started repeating the word of God over my mind. No, I stand and I don't have to be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with me. Psalms 56.3 When I was afraid, I put my trust in you. Oh my God. That's small but powerful. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Do, do you think that when they gave me that report and said, hey, I'm not sure you might have a tumor. We're not sure what's going on. There might be something. And they're saying all these things about my mind. Isn't it funny? That's about my mind. And all we're speaking on is a new thing. A new mind, a new you. Come on, somebody. Was I afraid? Oh, for a few minutes, man. They started talking to me like that, and I go, oh, my God, Pop. What if? What if I had a tumor? What if? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God starts speaking to me, and he goes, you don't repeat that. You repeat my word. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Commanded you. <laughs> Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. I commanded you. That's a command to be strong and courageous. So powerful to me. So I put my trust in God. You got to put your trust in God. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps. I am the one who helps you. I hold your right hand. Do you hear me? For it is I that who helps you. See, some of you got so many things gripped in your right hand, you, you can't even allow him to hold your hand. You got so many things going on in your hand that you can't even open your hand to give it to God. Come on, somebody. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. Yeah, I mean, Adam walked in the coolness of the day. 
and he talked and the glory of God was over him and he talked and he had communion. He had conversation with God. We've been so busy that we can't even open up our hands to walk with him. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What? Well, I'm going to cast most of them because I, I can't take it. My children are going every which way. And my finances are fall, falling apart. I can't take it. I'll give him that, but I'm not going to give him. It says cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Second Peter 1.7. For God did not give you a spirit of fear. Everybody knows this. But love, power, and a sound mind. Uh, but God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Zion can quote that. Zion's quoted that before all that storm came. He was in my pool the other day. And a cloud kind of rolled up. And, you know, I mean, if you heard the sermon with, with Brandon and Jen and we were here when the storm came and he was bought, him and Nevaeh and Jada were at the house and a lot of things happened and a tree fell and at their house. And so the other day, a little cloud came up. He jumped up out of the pool and he said, is that a storm coming, Nana? Is that a storm coming? I said, God didn't give you a spirit of, he said, a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. I said, repeat that in your mind. Because, see, when you repeat the word of God, it will conquer something in your mind. It will conquer something in front of you. So what I had to do, I had to open up my hand so God can hold my hand. Do you hold hands with your wife? Anyway. Do you hold hands? There's times that when we get out of the car, I'll grab Pop's hand. I haven't done that for a little bit. I'm so sorry, babe. Doggone it. Sometimes you've made me so mad. <gasps> but you know what? That's important. You know, just that, that moment. You know what I mean? There's something in grabbing a hand and, and holding a hand. You know, I mean, when we, when we get ready to pray, see, y'all don't know. But see, host, we pray. We grab hands. Before we come out of that prayer room, we got our hands together and we're praying for this service. For what God wants. Amen? It's powerful. God is trying to do something. And I think there is such a shift in what's been prayed and what's been spoke and preached from this pulpit. Of the new mind. The new you. And I'm going to go back to Philippians 4 again. Do not fret, listen, or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape worries into prayers. So powerful. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good. What happens when Christ displays worry at the center of your life? I'm going to hit this right here. When Christ displays worry at the center of your life. In chemistry classes, listen to this. It was called displacement reaction. So powerful. 
where the compound will always displace a less reactive metal from solutions on its compound. Like the ultimate worry displacer, Jesus Christ. Displacement reaction. Where a compound will always displace less reactive metal. Something that's less reacted in yourself will be displaced. If you have fear and you allow God to do what he needs to do, he'll displace it. The ultimate worry displacer is Jesus Christ. When he comes into contact with our worries, he displaces them and becomes the center of our life. There's a displace. Listen to this. So powerful. In the Hebrew, because I like, I like to kind of dissect it and see what it is. In Hebrew, displace means to uproot, to eradicate. I'm going to shout right here. To remove, to shift, to transfer. Listen to what it says. It's wonderful what happened when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Displace means to uproot, to eradicate, to remove, to shift, to transfer. But you must let Jesus come into your equation. See, in the chemistry, there's an equation. And what's less, it gets displaced. So there's, there's a chemistry going on in your body, in your mind. What's less, worry, fear, and all these things that doesn't like. It says, do not worry. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord thy God, I will hold your right hand. Do not worry. Do, do not be dismayed. Is a less reactive. Come on, somebody. That means God, if it's a less reactive, he's going to displace it. Displace means to uproot. He's going to uproot it. He's going to eradicate. I'll tell you. He's going to remove it. It's going to shift. And there's going to be a transfer. See, some of you honestly don't believe that. What do you mean there's going to be a displace? If it's less then what it, the Word of God says, you're going to have to allow Him to displace what's going on in yourself. You might, got, you might have things going on in your mind over and over and over. You might have a lot of things going on in your marriage. You might have a lot of things. Some of y'all don't even talk about it. Some of you don't even talk to God about it. You might have a lot of things going on in your physical body. Whatever's less than what this is right here, this right here, he'll eradicate it. If you'll let him eradicate it, he'll uproot Come on, somebody. He'll uproot it. It says it will displace worry. That's a word. But you need to let him be in your equation. See, some of you are not God in the equation of God. You have not al allowed him to say, oh, this less reactive thing. It's a reactive thing. You react to something. 
You're either going to respond to this word or you're going to react to your worry. You're going to respond to this word or you're going to react to fear. Come on, somebody. But if you will let him eradicate it, I don't care if it's your children. I don't care if it's fine. I don't care what it is. Let him eradicate it. Let him uproot it. He said he will displace worry. My God. But we have to allow him to do that. He displaces your worries and becomes your focal point. See, after he displaces the, the reactive less than junk that you're going through that doesn't line up with this right here, he'll eradicate it, correct? You have to be in the equation. But see, what you got to do is you got to turn and you have a focal point to God. There's got to be a focal point because how are you going to, if it's been 10 years that you've worried about something and all of a sudden you let him eradicate it, you think you won't go back to that if you don't focus on Christ? No, you'll go back to the familiar. Come on. If you're going to allow him to eradicate it and the, the less than of the reactive thing that's going on in your life, let him displace that. Let him take that out of the chemistry. They displace it. It's a less than. Do you have a less than? Something that's going on that doesn't line up with God's word. Let him eradicate it. Your worries must take a back seat as you set up your gaze upon him. See, I had to let that take a back seat. Am I still going through things physically? Absolutely. Is that going to dictate me? No. That's going to have to take a back seat. So I have to be in focus with God and have a gaze upon him. Will there still be problems? Sure. There's always problems. Are you kidding me? Come on. Oh, it's good now. Everything's wonderful. I'll just step outside. Might have a flat tire or car breakdown or somebody calls out of nowhere just screaming no, no reason at you. Or, you know, Pop went to the gas station the other day and he comes back and he's just shaking his head. I said, what's going on? He goes, a full out fist fight was right in front of me. I said, you didn't get in the middle of that, did you? But you, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't know when something's going to happen. You don't know when there's a turn about something. But, you, but you've got to know that you have to have a focus and a focal point in what God's doing. Amen? Let God displace your worries at the center of your night. Trading all your burdens for his rest. God spoke to me about this because, you know, when you lay down, that's when your mind goes 100 miles an hour. Now, now, now you're not on your phone. Now you're not talking to somebody. Now you're not walking and doing and going to the gas station, going to the grocery store and going to work. And now you're laying down and 100 million things will go ding, 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 Frankie, bum, 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 over your mind. 
Let God displace worry at the center of your night, trading in your burdens for his rest. Hello, somebody. Do you want him to displace that worry that's been at night for his rest? Some of you don't rest. I know that for a fact just by watching. Some of you don't rest. I mean, Haley probably doesn't rest because she has to get up with that newborn baby every three hours or maybe every two hours. We're not sure. That's a good excuse. But some of us don't rest because of worry, and he wants to displace that. Matthew 11, and we've, we've heard this many times, verse 28 through 30. Are you tired, wore out, burned out on religion? Come to me. This is, this is not just the, this is God. Can you just listen and maybe put this in your heart? Come to me. Will you get away with me? You'll recover your life. Listen to what he's saying. This is, this is God saying this. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Come on, somebody. Keep company with me. He's asking us to keep company with him. Do you know he desires that so much? He desires us to have that company and have that communication and not have a one-way street to it. He said, are you tired? Do you want to come away with me? Just come and take a real rest. And I'll tell you what, these words right here wasn't easy for me. And so I had, I had to surrender to say, you know what? I, I, need, I am tired. I need a rest. I need God for you to do this. And he told me Wednesday when Brandon called me and he said, Mom, man, I feel like that you, you have something. And so I spoke to God. And I said, God, physically can I do that? Can I get up there? Physically can I get up there, God? I'm just being real with you. And if you'll just listen, he'll talk back to you. And he said, if I spoke through Paul in the prison, I can speak through you. And when Brandon called me the next day, I said, I need to take it. Because see, God is now, he spoke to me, now he's speaking through me to you. Learn to take a real rest. Learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus cares about every detail of our lives. He cares about the quality of our rest. Why would he do that in the coolness of the day? <laughs> that was a great example of rest. And then he said, whatever you do, you can have anything in this garden, but don't touch that tree right there. And so here's God saying this to us. Whatever you do, you can have anything in the garden of what God wants, but don't touch that tree right there. Don't touch that, that sin. Don't touch that. It's up to us to tap into his power. 
through prayer and praise. Let Jesus displace all of our worry and our fear and our anxieties. Paul said, before you know it, a sense of God's... Now listen to this. Here's Paul in the prison. This blows my mind. I mean, we're, we're talking about a dungeon. We're talking about rats. We're talking about... You know what I mean? Paul said, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle down in you. That means to settle you, arrest, settle your mind, settle your soul. It'll come and set. Can you imagine him speaking that in the prison? And, thank you, Holy Spirit. When I was in Nicaragua, and they said, we're going to go to a prison and we want to minister to these people. And they said that uh, you need to be very, very careful because they're, they're very mean people that's in the prison. And it's going to be something that you've never seen before. So I'm thinking, what? You know? They said, well, you're going to go all the way back to exactly where they are because they've been locked in a few doors in. But they're the worst prisoners they have. You know, sometimes you go, great. <laughs> God, help me, God. Watch over me, God. But then in your own self, you say, man, this is a great opportunity to maybe somebody will give their heart to Jesus Christ. Amen. We walked through the door, and I heard the other door shut behind me. We walked down a hallway, couldn't see nothing, Brooke. It was so dark. We walked through another ha hallway, and they shut the door behind me. And I said, man, I said, it is, it, you know, we didn't have phones or anything. We're in Nicaragua. And I said, it is so dark. She goes, well, just put your hands out because it's going to get a little bit darker. We walked through another hallway, and we sh when they shut the door, there's big, huge bar of Big, huge bars that are, have been, I bet there was 13 men in this room by themselves with only underwear on and a little tiny yellow light in there. They were like animals. Now, listen, please listen to me because, you know, here's Paul going through all that he went through and he's saying, hey, now you can be whole. Everything's going to come out good. God's going to settle you down. He's speaking and he's in the prison. Come on, somebody. Can you speak when you're going through something? Can you speak to somebody and say, God's going to do something good, and you could be going through all kinds of stuff. We walked in there, and I said, I just feel a praise. And we just start singing, hallelujah. Just start singing. All of a sudden, every one of them, I mean, they were climbing the bars. I, I never seen anything like it. They all came down, and when they told me, they said, now you have bags of chips and everything, but you're going to have to throw it in there because they'll grab your arms. I grabbed that bag of chips. I walked up to that bar, and I put my hand in there, and I stuck my hand all the way through that bar. I said, take my hand. I said, if, if God can do anything, and all of a sudden they started asking Jesus to come into their hearts. They started giving, bowing their knee and started asking him to come into their, come on somebody. You know what? I could have had a fear. I could have been worried. 
I was tired. I'd been ministering for hours and hours, days before that. But I stepped into that and I allowed God to do what he needed to do through me. I allowed my hand to take a hold of their hand. Paul allowed himself through all his struggles to say, before you know it, a sense of wholeness. Come on, I'm telling you. Everything coming together for good will come and settle down in you. You need to learn to breathe. You need to learn to breathe, pray, and let go. Let go of all the emotions that have absolutely no positive effect on your life. Let go of every emotion that doesn't have any positive effect in your life. You need to breathe. You need, you need to pray, and you need to let go. The last time you were worried and lost sleep over the issue. And you were so stressed that you made yourself sick. Come on, somebody. Did them emotions serve any positive effect in your life? Or did it just add to your trial? Was it a positive effect? Or did it just add to your trial? It helps when you breathe. Take a deep breath. Have you ever got the breath knocked out of you? Playing football. Fell, fell out of a tree, Brandon. When I told you not to go to the tree. Broke his arm. Car accident. Breath was knocked out of you. Maybe somebody hits you from behind and all of a sudden, <gasps> you ever had the breath knocked out? I'm telling you, football, soccer, that's what worry does. It'll knock the breath out of you. Yeah. When you get the breath knocked out of you, some can lose consciousness. Listen. Which could lose airflow of oxygen to the brain which causes memory loss, which causes us to lose our mindset. You ever got the breath knocked out of you? Have you ever got the breath knocked out of you because of worry? So you lose oxygen and you don't breathe, right? Come on, somebody, I'm going somewhere. Listen to this. Researchers show that mindful breathing, taking deep controlled breaths while maintaining a mental focus on the process of inhaling and exhaling. <laughs> this slows down the heart rate and it, proves it, and it improves the flow of oxygen into your bloodstream. The effect of this gives cells more oxygen that they need. Breathing in and out gives you more oxygen that you need, Chandra. And it turns for yourselves to be good. See, I think we've not stopped to breathe. I mean inhale and exhale. The heart no longer needs to work hard to keep oxygen flowing. So blood pressure drops and it reduces many related disorders like stroke. Listen, inhaling, taking a breath. Stop and take a breath. 
The world don't know how to do that. Blood pressure, it reduces many related disorders like stroke, kidney failure, or heart attack. But it also relieves negative emotional states of anxiety, worry, and PTSD. Take a breath. Pray and let go of every emotional thing that's not positive in your life. We need to do that more often. We need to stop and we need to take a breath. Most of us don't breathe right most of the time. And you know what's funny is when I was writing this down, you know how you're aware after you start writing all that down and you're aware going. And somebody can, I get to get a phone call about something. And this is going on and this is going on. And I go, okay, God, what do you want to say about that? Or do you want me to say anything? And you don't realize that you don't stop and really take a deep breath of what God wants. Breathing is life like the valley of dry bones. The bodies were reassembled but remained nothing more than a pile of corpse until God's breath entered them and they came alive. Adam was lifeless until the breath of God shot through his nostrils and he became a living being. The Hebrew word for breath is ruha, which means wind and spirit. It says all scripture is God-breathed. <laughs> right here, you want to take a breath? All scripture is God-breathed. You want to breathe in something? Right here, the word of God. If all scripture is God-breathed, then reading and studying God's word is like being hooked up to an oxygen tank. All scripture is God-breathed. It purifies, it cleanses, it brings health, it renews our mind. All scripture is God-breathed. Don't forget to exhale. When you breathe in, you breathe out. Breathing isn't just in air, but it's letting go of the natural rhythm. Listen to what this says. Don't forget to exhale. Breathing isn't just taking in air, but letting go in a natural rhythm. See, I think we've lost our breath. I think some of us have been knocked out. I think we've, we've got knocked over and we've lost our breath and we've lost our rhythm to what God wants. After six days of creating things, God designed something different and it was called rest. On the seventh day, God rested and refreshed. It means God exhaled. He inhaled and he spoke all these things and then he exhaled and he rested. See, some of us have been inhaling and doing things and we might be hooked up to this oxygen tank of the word of God, but we need to rest and exhale also. You must learn to inhale and exhale or you'll lose your rhythm. Every time you breathe, Yahweh, Yahweh. Every time you inhale and you exhale, it's God breathed. He gave you the breath. And isn't it funny in the day of Pentecost? And they were in the upper room and a wind blew. He breathed on the church. 
And see, sometimes we're not inhaling and exhaling what he wants in the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We better get our hands off of it and let go and let God do what he wants to do. He breathed on the church. Some of us have not been inhaling the Holy Spirit and exhaling what he wants. We not only need to take a breath, but we need to take a breath in God. He's the only one that can give the strength and the power to overcome life's challenges. We not only need to stop and take a breath, but we need God to breathe on us. Where are you at today? Has a breath been knocked out of you? Have you not allowed God to displace your worry with a petition and a praise so it can become a prayer? Come on, somebody. Listen to Psalms 34, 1 through 8 in the message. I didn't give you this. I praise God every chance I get. My lungs expand with praise. I'm telling you, that's powerful. I live and breathe God. In things that are, aren't going well, hear, now listen, I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway, and he freed me from all anxious fears. If he met him halfway, I think you need to take a step. You just think that, okay, well, I'm going to just talk to God and he's just going to take. No, there's things that he wants us to do. He wants us. He said, I met you halfway. I don't know about you, but I want to take them steps to whatever he wants. Verse five, look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. Hello. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out and God When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Come on, somebody. Let your requests, your petitions, and your praise displace worry. Verse 8, open your mouth and taste. He's trying to say something. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Verse 17, is anyone crying for help? God's listening. He's ready to rescue you. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you and he'll give you your breath because you lost your breath. He'll help you catch your breath. Some of you lost your breath. 
And I'm telling you that God said he wants to breathe on you today. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to just don't stand. I just want you to sit there. God spoke to me about that too. Hope you're awake. I want you to turn it. This is the air I Turn it up for me, please. This is the air I Come on, somebody. Your rest. Come to your rest. Come to your rest. This is my day. This is my day. It's God breathed. Let him eradicate it. 